We're going to talk about the Jesus community. We're going to continue that for one or two more weeks beyond today. Um, <clears throat> try to get into school and before we switch our subjects, our topics. Um, <clears throat> when, when we think of Jesus and his ministry, uh, most of the ink in the New Testament is spilled on the Passion narratives and the crucifixion and the resurrection. Um, but when we think of his uh, earthly ministry, that's a ministry as well, but when we think of all the events leading up to that, you know, before he enters Jerusalem and the suffering and all that, what do we think about the things that characterize his ministry? His love for the people. His love for people. What does he do? Teaching. Teaching. Healing. Yeah, I mean, it's... Mostly teaching and healing is what we see there. Um, there's a lot of that that goes on. And so we're going to talk a little bit about healing, Jesus' community being the healing community. Um, I've, I've witnessed some healings over the years, some that kind of defy the uh, logic, uh, so to speak. We had a... Um, um, early on in that first year, I think we had a couple that joined our, uh, a Navy couple that joined our, our launch team very late, uh, just before we launched, and uh, they were getting notices from the doctor that their baby uh, was going to have uh, some struggles uh, growing up, and that was all the reports they were getting, um, and it put them in a very difficult position on how to proceed with that pregnancy, and then when the baby showed up, it was, um, you, yeah, it was like all those reports were just not there. I remember hearing some, from someone else early on uh, as well um, that was struggling with an illness and it told us a time where, I think it was celiacs or something, and I'd come to this point where there was prayer over this person and it just went completely away. It was just gone almost overnight. Um, I know that when I came to faith, um, I was partying a lot and it was becoming an addiction, the whole kind of... Uh, all the routines and everything uh, was addictive. And um, someone shared their faith with me. I, I prayed in my dorm room one night, and um, it was almost like a miraculous de deliverance from that. Um, I've had to kind of scratch my way through all the other things i got to deal with uh, slowly but surely, but it was, it was, um, it was, it was extremely uh, powerful. Um, now, I've, I've witnessed a lot more healings as well. Um, <clears throat> a lot of those through medicine, <laughs> modern-day medicine. People, uh, you know, uh, there are things that happen now that in Jesus' day, uh, you know, they would have had a short lifespan, that just modern medicine, whether you uh, are, you know, go holistic or traditional Western medicine or whatever, which way we go, we see that people uh, recover and it's an amazing thing. And I, I think that sometimes because it's something that we're so used to, we write it off as uh, this is science. It's not quite what we see um, happening in Jesus' day. And I would suggest that um, when it comes to people's physical ailments, that we see God heal uh, through traditional methods in medicine. We see God heal sometimes in miraculous ways. I believe that does happen. Uh, sometimes when someone's... Uh, 
really sick, I think that the, the miracle and the healing that happens is God uh, takes that person from us. Um, I remember when my father was sick, um, there's a sense of grief and loss, uh, but there's a sense of relief. And I get, I get that sense from uh, a lot of people uh, that are experiencing um, someone, a loved one who's been sick for a while, that um, when they finally go home to God, that um, they see that as um, something that's a blessing. Um, hard, uh, but a blessing. One of the things I've seen probably the most um, that seems significant to me is we see a lot of, uh, when we look at Jesus' miracles, they all seem to be physical ailments. Uh, yet I've seen lots of healing in the terms of uh, emotional uh, health, uh, mental health. Um, I've seen forgiveness, like uh, Eduardo talked about two weeks ago, extended. Marriage is healed. Um, uh, people enter counseling uh, and develop other tools uh, that they need to thrive and to deal with uh, whatever uh, maybe they're facing anxiety or depression. Um, relationships that are toxic that finally come to an end so that someone can heal, that, that there's a separation that happens so that uh, someone can heal. Uh, families mended, families that have been divided, communities that have been divided, that are uh, brought back together. And that's healing uh, as well. And a lot of those things happen in the name of Jesus, you know, in the power of Jesus' name, so to speak. I had, a, I had a three-year journey. I, I think that if I had actually gone to an actual doctor rather than the school counselor at, at seminary, uh, the doctor would have said, would have diagnosed me with uh, depression. I had come out of a really toxic uh, church environment, and uh, for the three years I was in that church, uh, it probably took me three years to recover out of it. And I remember going to um, a local family diner, Linway. We went to Linway, which, you know, if we had the extra $7.50, we would go there because that's all about what extra we had back then. And I, uh, there was a new pastor that was hired. He was hired for a pastor of spiritual development, uh, taught the midweek service. And uh, I remember going to Midway, uh, not Midway, Linway with him. And um, it was the first time we kind of spent some time together. And I'm kind of sharing my story about this church. And in those early years, you know, leaving that church, I would tell this story. And I, I kind of had the jitters telling it. I, I was so... Um, I don't know what you'd call that. Um, yeah, post-PTSD maybe, I don't know. But just telling that story, um, it had a physical component uh, for me where it was, it was very difficult. And this guy, I, you know, I don't know what was going through his head. In my mind, uh, because I felt like I was worthless anyway, I imagined the worst, that he thought I was some freak and I was sharing this story with him. Um, but we developed a great friendship, um, and over those, you know, the, the, the next three years working out of that and, and, and drawing close to God and drawing close to other people, um, there was healing that happened there for me, and he was a big part of that. And it wasn't so much that he was a mentor. He, I, I, he wasn't older than me. He was younger than me, actually. Um, it was really in the form of we developed a great friendship, and uh, he became my uh, best friend during those years while we were in uh, Ohio. And um, that was very powerful for us. And uh, we, they had us over at their house uh, lots of times. We were there when their daughters were born, and 
And that was very powerful. Um, and I sort of want to think about that because we, we often think of healing in terms of physical healing because that's what we see in the Bible. But oftentimes what Jesus extends in terms of healing goes way beyond that. And I think because of the cultural difference, we don't necessarily see it. So um, there's this one scene where uh, this, this woman in this act of worship uh, pours this, uh, she's got tears and she's wiping them off with her hair on Jesus' feet. For her to let down her hair in that society is pretty scandalous, but Jesus affirms that. You know, and so in a place where that would normally be shameful and would uh, add to the uh, sense of being marginalized and not being part of the group, Jesus um, sees that. Jesus welcomes her. I think of uh, Mary and Martha, and Mary is sitting at the feet. That is what men would do with a rabbi, um, and Martha's very scandalized by this, but Jesus says she has discovered, um, she's discovered something very valuable here, and uh, we cannot take that from her. He affirms what she does, and that would be a shameful thing. And so there's this uh, sense of uh, she's now being brought into this community and this healing, this division has happened. Uh, I think of the man born blind, and everyone's asking the question, who sinned that this guy's blind? His parents? Him? You know, there's this assumption that there's some deeper thing, and, and, and the guy, I love that story, because the guy's like, listen, I don't know, I'm just telling you what happened. Here's what happened. You guys figure it out. I don't, you know, he's, and so, and Jesus, you know, he says, this is for God's glory, and, and all that. So, um, <clears throat> all of these people, in the sense of being alienated from community, they all have this close encounter with Jesus. They have this uh, drawing near, where Jesus sees them, he draws near, he looks into uh, that, um, whatever's going on in their life, and draws them near. So, the Jesus community sees the wounds of others, and draws close, draws close to help. Um, <clears throat> yeah, amen, definitely. Um, so I want to look at some healing stories. We're not gonna. I think I have Acts three in your in your uh, sheet this morning, but I'm gonna start with Luke eighteen. Um, we'll go through these briefly. Um, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road, and when he had heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked, "What was happening?" They told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's a great prayer, a short prayer. If you feel disconnected with God, go for a walk around the black and repeat that over and over. Lord Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. And keep saying it until you're focused. And let your prayer, it's, uh, it's called the breath prayer. It's, it's, I use that all the time. It's great. Um, anyway, he says, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him... He stopped and ordered that the man ordered ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, "What do you want me to do for you?" You would Yeah, he asked him. I love that. You know, I mean, it kind of seemed like it would be obvious what he wants, <laughs> but I don't think that's the point. The point is he asked him. Jesus, you know, he doesn't come in forcing, <laughs> "Here's what we're going to do." Um, what do you need? And I love that the fact, uh, I think it's in this one or the next one. Yeah, the people are yelling, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. You know, we don't want to be bothered by this. 
Jesus hears it. I love the senses that you get, the use of the senses in uh, both of these stories. Jesus hears, Jesus sees, or, or Peter in the next one. Peter reaches out. He hears this man, brings him close. He's outside the city. And so when we read this, we're thinking, okay, he's blind and this is a physical thing, but he's outside the city, and that's significant. He's outside. He's not inside. And I believe in that world, much more so than in our culture now, that with that kind of ailment, he, he just can't be a full partaker of society. He's left to begging. He's left outside the city. He's on the outside of the gate. Um, now, part of that's because that's where most of the traffic is, right? That's where the foot traffic is, so that's where you're going to be to get the most out of your begging. But it's significant, I think, that he's outside the city. He's not inside. He's not a full participant in this community. And Jesus hears that, and he sees it, and he draws close, and has this guy brought close to him. <clears throat> I was thinking of this movie that we saw recently called The Sound of Metal. Have you, has anyone seen that? So it's this drummer in, in this, uh, I don't know how you describe that music. It was pretty harsh. Uh, but he starts to lose his hearing. And um, most of that movie is his journey to try to get implants. And the tension that you feel in the movie is, uh, does he really need that to be a full human being? Does he really need that? And in our world, it's, a, it's very different. Um, people with these kind of uh, handicaps can be, can thrive in our society. But in this one, we're not only seeing the physical healing, we're seeing the, the separation from God's uh, community, God's kingdom. Um, and Jesus asks, <laughs> what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? And I love the simplicity of this. He doesn't want peace in the Middle East. He, he said, I want to see. I want to be able to see. Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. I love that. Uh, his faith has, feel, has healed him. Um, we often think of Jesus healing him. His faith has healed him. And that's a whole can of worms of theological discussion right there. Uh, instantly, the man could see. And he followed Jesus, praising God in all who saw it. Praised God. And I love that ending because there's this ripple effect where he's praising God, God is glorified in this, but it, it, it spreads. It spreads into the community, and everyone else who sees it is like, wow, this is, and, and God is praised on a much larger scale. And so I think that uh, we, um, <clears throat> we, we read passages like this. And we think that's, that's just Jesus. That's, that's what Jesus, Jesus does that. And all these healings are really kind of focused in on physical healing. And we don't quite understand the larger, I think, world of uh, just being separated from community. And now we are at a spot in our world, in our medicine, our understanding, psychology, sociology, and medicine, um, that, that separation can happen on different levels, not just physical, but our... Uh, our, our alienation from one another and the mental issue of mental health. 
Um, and I would say that, that's what I kind of want to focus on this morning, is how can we serve in that way to be a healing community? And I think it's easy to say, well, that's Jesus. And, uh, but Jesus says, you will do greater things. And so we turn to Acts 3, because we see a very similar story, only it's not Jesus. It's Peter. And this is what's printed. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. So these early Christians are Jewish. They're still going to temple, and they're still going through uh, prayer, the regular prayer uh, routine that they had before becoming Christians. And they're Christians. They worship Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day... He was put beside the temple gate. And again, you have this issue of he's at the gate. And when we see the the mention of temple, this is worship. This is an issue of worship where we gather together and worship um, and ascribe this worth to God, that God uh, is our source of life. And he cannot partake in that. He's outside the temple. This is considered the house of God. This is where... The place where God dwells, that was their understanding. If we want to go where God dwells, we got to go there, and he can't get in there. And so there's this issue of separation, and that's huge. That's huge. This guy cannot participate like others can. <clears throat> he was outside the temple gate. Uh, he was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And in his mind, that's what he needs. He needs money to eat. Peter and John looked at him intently. And so here we have these senses again. They see him. They look intently at him. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold to give you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up, and as he did, the, right, uh, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, began to walk. Then walking, leaping, praising God, he went into the temple with them. Something very symbolic happened. Now he's able to go in and worship and be with God and be with God's people. In Isaiah 35, in this prophecy, looking forward to this day, it says, The lame will leap like a deer. And those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth from the wilderness. And streams will water the wasteland. So the prophets looked forward to this. And here we see it happen. So this is interesting because it the guy looks at him and he has an expectation of here's what I need for healing. I need money. <laughs> I guess it's not healing. Here's what I need to survive. He's probably not even thinking of healing at this point. Just surviving. Just being able to eat. Here's what I need. Peter says, I don't have that. I don't have that. 
Which is interesting because just before this story, you have one of these reports that you see in the early chapters of Acts that all the people were gathering together and they all shared what they had. And those who had property were selling it and giving it. So we don't know if Peter's saying, I'm not the treasurer, I don't have the money. But it's interesting that he says, I don't, I don't have that. And when it comes to healing, I think we feel that way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have this. I don't have the skills. I don't have that. I, whatever you need, I don't have it. And what's so interesting about that is you don't apparently need that. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of places in the Bible that says, if you have it, share it. James says, you know, faith without works is dead. And that's in the context of, listen, if someone's asking you for prayer, you know, and they're hungry and you have food, give it to them. You can't just walk, give it to them. Jesus says if someone asks you for a coat and you have one, give them, give them the coat. And your shirt too. Yeah, and your shirt too. Um, Paul, writing to uh, the Corinthians in the second letter, is taking up a collection uh, for the poor in Jerusalem. And he says those who have more, give more. Those who have less, give less. We don't want your giving to put you in a compromised position. So, this is not to be used as an excuse not to give if we have something to give, physical, to care for others' needs. But I think there's something really powerful going on here. I think in, in light of this, maybe we should ask ourselves, what do we have to give? Now, I'm, I'm coming at this from a different perspective. Usually when I teach that passage in Luke, I'm asking all of you what, do you, what do you, what do you want Jesus to do for you? And that's a great question to ask and to pray over. What do I really, what do I deeply want? But that's not the question. In a healing community, what we're asking is, are we asking other people that? Right? So, I have a couple questions here. What do we have to give. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's space. Maybe it's energy. Our energy. Maybe it's skills that we have. What do we have to give? Because we're going to come across, as a community, as a Jesus community, we're going to come across situations where we feel like the answer falls within this little box here, and I don't, I, I don't have the resources for that. According to this story, we don't need it. And there's a mindset with that that I, I think is heavily fueled by a capitalistic culture that we live, we have this scarcity mindset. We don't have enough. Our economic system's built on that. It's called advertisements. <laughs> right? You don't, you need this. You need this. You need something new, better, faster, stronger, bigger, whatever. Yeah. And... Peter does not have that attitude. He sees a need. He sees it. He, he, says, he looks at it intently. He sees the need. He reaches out. And he doesn't have this mentality that God can't handle this. That we can handle this. The Jesus community is not, we are a community of abundance, not scarcity. That we worship the God of the creation. Amen. And God can meet this need. Amen. 
And he meets it through people. It's Peter and John. And there is physical healing here, yes. But I think there's a lot more going on that we can, we can learn from. Mm-hmm. What keeps us from reaching in? Fear. Fear. We're afraid. There's a blues song that says, When things go wrong with you, it hurts me too. <laughs> I don't remember who did that. I remember the Grateful Dead version. <laughs> Uh, most of it, and um, but we're afraid. We're afraid of people and situations that are different from us. When people are hurt, they often end up hurting other people, and so we're afraid to get hurt. We're afraid to kind of enter that blast radius. We feel overwhelmed. We look at it and they're asking for money or they're asking for something and we feel like we don't have it. But that does not keep Jesus' community away from entering into that situation, from reaching in, from looking in, from seeing it and stretching out our hands. And so, is that enough? Is it enough to be able to see and to reach in? That seems too simple sometimes. This goes back, the answer I think to that question goes back a little bit to our series in shame that we did years ago that was so powerful. At least it was powerful to teach most of it. There's something that happens neurologically. I mean, it it can be, scientists have discovered this. That when we enter in and we see the story and we hear it, when we experience someone's story and we're able to be attentive and not on our phone (laughs) or zoned out, that's okay, we get zoned out sometimes, you know, that's fine. But when we are attentive to the stories of other people, something neurologically happens in that connection that helps facilitate new pathways toward healing. Mm -hmm. Remember Zoe teaching on this as well. It's extremely powerful. And so when I think about those three years, if I'm honest, what happened is I found myself in a community with people who were willing to hear my story. And Go into that story with me. Right. And so, you know, the bottom line moving forward is as the Jesus community, I believe we have to be asking, what do you want? What do you need? And when, again, the the purpose of this series was to think about how do we make the church a unifying place in a world that's been so divisive of late? So as a church, as God's people, we need to be looking into the BLM community and saying, what do you need? The LGBTQ community and saying, what do you need? People on the border, tell me your story. People in the, you know, the hurricane, in the, in the path of the hurricane, what do you need? And God has given us so much. 
And here it's wrapped up in the power of Jesus' name. And it almost comes off as a magical thing, you know, like it's magical and if you just use the name, something will happen. There's power in the name. Amen. And that magical thinking is certainly very widespread in the ancient world as well. But God is powerful. Amen. There's no scarcity there. And I believe fully that if we're able to enter into, you know, get beyond our own fears, get beyond that feeling of overwhelm that whatever they're asking for, we don't have, and trust God and go in the power of God and ask, what do you need? And see and reach out, I think we'll be amazed. And I think the world will be amazed because what happens here is the same thing. All the people saw him walking, heard him praising God, and when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And God's word spreads, and it grows, and God is glorified. It's a beautiful Amen. thing. So here's what I want us to do. You know, the Jesus community sees the wounds of others and draws close to help. Can we go out and ask, what do you need? What can I do for you? And then we prayerfully answer honestly what we're able to do. And we reach in however way we're able. Mm -hmm. I think that will be an incredible witness to our world. It's messy, though. It's messy. Yeah, it is. And, you know, well, the powers that be will scrutinize, just like they did to Jesus, and that's okay. All right, let's unite our hearts in prayer. Uh, God, we are a wounded community, and yet you send us out to a wounded world. Amen. And we feel uh, very ill-equipped <clears throat> to do, um, yeah, to do what you've asked. We, we have a hard time believing that we will do greater works than you. Help us to expand our understanding of your kingdom, of your power, of your grace and your mercy. Help us to love with our whole hearts, to see with our eyes, to hear with our ears, to reach out to those who are wounded, to ask, what do you need? And to listen, to let our stories connect the story of God, the story of God in our lives, the story of other people. And may we praise you for the glory and the healing that will result. We ask in Jesus' name.